0: Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. You are who God says you are. Amen. That's why I like being around you. I like being around God's people because I know that God has something in his word for every one of us and there is a place that all of us need to be operating. Amen. And see, when you're in the house of God, every gift needs to be used. Every gift. There shouldn't be any jealousy in the house of God. Nobody should be jealous that somebody can sing better, preach better, talk better, pray better, worship better. You just get better. Don't try to impress anybody. Just impress your dad in heaven. Amen. You impress him. He says, listen, if you're faithful over a few things, but listen, stop praying for the many if you ain't faithful over the few. God can't trust you enough to just pray for five minutes, come on, how can he trust you with some of the deeper things of God, right, so get faithful in the five minutes, get faithful with the five (laughs) dollars, amen, you get faithful with the five dollars, maybe he can get you to 500, amen, but listen, if you ain't faithful with five, he's not going to give you five million, stop praying for five million if you can't be faithful with five dollars, Amen. Now, this is not a message on giving. This is a message on blessing. Because y'all know I don't strong arm nobody to give in here. I don't have to because I'm a Bible teacher. I teach you so good you like to give in this church. Amen. Because if you don't give it, God will bless somebody outside this church to write the check. That's why I never have to strong arm you. And by the way, men Elaine are blessed by what we give, not by what you give. Isn't that nice to be in a church like that? Amen. That we get blessed out what we give. So that way you can't get mad when we roll up in something nice. (laughs) Look at the pastor, he got a new car, look at him. That's because we work. (laughs) A job, every day. We both do, amen? And so listen, so then you can just worship in freedom and you don't have to worry about that. And when somebody outside this place says, I wonder what your pastor doing with the money? Well, it's his money. He can do whatever he want to do with it. So you can just be free. Because you know, I'm not trying to take your resources to live off of your resources. I don't have to. I am a resource. And see, when you start talking like that, I ain't need based I don't need anything from you. We're not need based We're suppliers. We're supposed to give to you. That's why I don't, ever, I don't ever have you to come in here and follow my vision. Because I'm not need-based. I don't need you to follow my vision. I'm a supplier. I want to know what your vision is so I can follow that and help you. See, so that's the difference between a shepherd and apostle. When you're in an apostle-led church, we're the foundational ministry. What we want to do is push you up, not try to pull you up as a pastor. So I saw one head nod and one amen and I'm mm. So I think I'm, I'm on the right track then. Amen. <laughs> all right. So you ready to read a little bit of the Bible? So let's, let's read a little bit of this. Like I said, stop laughing so much and then we're going to be all right. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's what I was just saying, saints of God, that, that we got too, too much jealousy in the house that has actually hurt the house of God. Right? And, and we, we are not here. This church, see, I have a group that I, I have to, I give raises and uh, merit raises and bonuses based on what they, their performance. But in the house of God, you're not blessed on your performance, you're blessed on your obedience. So this is not a performance-based organization. You're blessed by your obedience. Is this making sense at all? Because your performance can be a sacrifice let me say that one more time. Your performance can be a sacrifice, but your obedience has to be an action. So you, you're, that's why the Bible says obedience because your sacrifice can be an idol unto you. Because people idolize their giving sometimes. Right? I, 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 you don't even tithe. Well, like, like I'm supposed to be blessed off of tithing. Oh, see, see all those eyes I got. See, why would God bless your tithe if you're unwilling to give it? Because your heart still isn't right. Oh, boy, it got quiet then. This Presbyterian church got quiet. Good gracious. Y'all didn't know that? You could, you could cut 10%, but if you don't do it with the right heart, that does not obligate for, for God. You, you can't let, oh, oh. Thank you, Jesus. You can't strong arm God with the tithe and say, because I gave 10%, now God is somehow obligated to bless me. He is not because God owns 100%. You want to you show God how bad you are, give him 100%. Uh, I don't see nobody volunteering on that line. <laughs> I got a 2% line. That's where everybody is, a 2%. Oh, Lord, okay? So listen, guys, you got to make sure you got the right heart. God don't need your money, and neither do I. I need obedience. I need people that are consistent. I need people that love God and love his word and love God's people. I need somebody to say, if I'm praying for you, you praying for real. You ain't just saying that as a Christian cliche. You saying, Pastor, I got your back. I got to know you got my back for real. Amen? That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for real, genuine Christians. Somebody is not faking and fronting in front of people. That's right. Amen. I think that's what we need today. Right. Too many folks are posing like they got an anointing. You ain't got no anointing just because you know two scriptures. <laughs> that don't mean you're anointed. Amen. The anointing costs. You got to go through some stuff for an, a true, genuine anointing that's developed through purity and humility. Yes. Oh yeah, that's gonna cost you, buddy. Yes. And then if you got a true anointing, you'll be humble with it. You got a true anointing. You don't need a title. Okay. So don't think too highly of yourself, guys, but to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a metron, a measure, a metron. Everybody has a metron of faith. See, sometimes you might look at somebody and you see where they are. You might not have the faith for that level. Because you may not understand what they had to go through to get there. Never covet somebody else's anointing because you never know what hell they had to go through to get there. You never know how many houses they had to lose or how many cars they had to lose or how often they came to the point of almost death. Don't ever look at somebody else and say, Lord, I want that kind of anointing. No, you better stay in your lane. No, 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 no. I've had people back in the past, back when Jakes was doing it for real. Um, he, he was, you know, so y'all know I ain't, I ain't, I ain't bashful about it. I, ain't, I, I, didn't, I didn't bite my tongue. All you got to do is, if you're in the Word, all you got to do is watch it closely. Don't watch television. Watch the Word. And you know when people are skirming off. So I ain't bashful about it. He, he ain't like he used to be. Just because you got thousands of people in the stadium don't mean you teaching truth. Amen! Anyhow! Amen. Yeah, I don't know what I was getting. Back when Jake was doing it for real. Back when Jakes was, you know. That's where I was starting, right? You know, then there, there was something about the anointing that he had that a lot of people wanted. Yeah. But they didn't realize how much stuff he lost. They didn't understand where he came from. He just didn't go to Dallas. He came from West Virginia from nothing with holes in the the floorboard of his car. Right? When he met Sarita. Sarita said she didn't even want to get in the car because she thought she was going to fall through the car. (laughs) Right? So they came from me with me. He said when they in the church, they had a barrel in the church for heat. Where's West Virginia? In winter. A barrel? So you leaving church smelling like smoke. You don't even, you ain't even like the fiery furnace because you're not supposed to even smell like. So because when they came out of the fiery furnace, they, oh, okay, I, y'all didn't look at me right. You didn't look at me right. When you don't look at me right, I feel like you didn't get it. Oh Yeah, I'm going to get back to the word, baby. Did it? <laughs> Then he goes on to say verse 4 for as we have as we have many members in one body but all the members look at this guys do not have the same function listen we need every gift talent experience education in this house because we do not all have the same function there is something that you need to do. I don't care if you've been saved for two months. I don't care if you don't feel like you know enough of the Bible. I don't care if you don't speak in tongues. God wants to use you because he gave each and every one of us a metron. He gave all of us a measure of faith. And if we stay in our own individual lanes, God will bless you if he can trust you. A lot of times God can't bless you because you're too busy trying to get in somebody else's lane but you just do what you do. It's two people, stay with those two people. If it's one person, stay with that one person. Let God bless you where you are. Right? And then he'll open up doors for you and take you before great men. For the Bible says, a man's gift will make room or space for him and take him before great men. Your gift would do that, not you. But in order to appropriately operate in the gift, there is a standard. It's called the word of God. Amen. So, but all of us don't have the same function. And that's great. That's why in our diversity, we can still find unity. And this is not some diversity class in corporate America. I'm talking about true diversity because that's fake diversity. That's what they're talking about. That diversity is only if you believe like them. That's fake diversity. That's why I can never be a part of it because I'm too vocal. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter (laughs) 4. Is this okay so far? Okay. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm not going to read all of the scriptures that I have on the PowerPoint. We're going to jump right into this. I'm going to just start at uh, verse 10. The He here is Jesus. This is after uh, the resurrection, okay? This is after the resurrection. But before he ascended, he descended. Amen. He, before he can go up, he had to go down. He had to go down and minister to those who had already passed, who had not truly heard the gospel message. That's what this is about. I don't have time to go into detail in that. However, he, Jesus, who descended, this is verse 10, Ephesians 4.10, who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he, Jesus, might feel all in all. And he, Jesus, somebody said Jesus, So Jesus gave what we're getting ready to talk about. So he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles. Somebody say some. Not everybody in the house are going to be apostles. Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Not for the individuals. These gifts were given by Jesus Christ because it's important you understand that these five-fold ministry gifts were given by Jesus so that you don't mix this up with the Holy Spirit-inspired gifts that were given by the Holy Ghost that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Those gifts, everybody, if you save, you can operate in those Holy Ghost-inspired gifts. These gifts that were given by Jesus Christ are called office gifts. Not everybody's going to operate in one of these five ministries. But if we do have people who are called, because this is called, you have to be called to this ministry. Amen. You have to know that you're called to it Amen. and be assured that you're called to it with people confirming it. That's right. Because I, I didn't even understand apostleship because nobody that I knew was one. I knew it was bishops and all that other stuff. But when God told me in prayer that he was calling me to be an apostle, I, have no, I, I didn't even know what that was. So I had to study, 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 study to find out what it was. But then men began to confirm that in me. And now I'm linked up with other true called apostles. They call me a budding apostle because I'm young and on fire. Right? But I got these older men in my life now who are true called apostles. You, You met one a few weeks ago, John DeVries. And so now he's my mentor. So he teaches me. He keeps me humble. We are doing certain things together, but he wants to make sure that I stay in my lane. Is that making sense at all? These gifts are not for you to put it on your business cards and somehow think that you're somehow anointed higher than anybody else. You don't do that kind of nonsense because God is the one that's going to promote you. A man's gift will promote you, not your business card. Amen. Amen. Amen, somebody. Now, just because I know that I am an apostle and I operate as an apostle, I'm not not looking for anybody in this room to call me that. I know what I operate in. See, when you're assured about what God has called you to do, you don't need people to confirm it in you. You already know it. Okay, all right, all right. And if I get a little loud, I'm sorry. I just get excited sometimes, right? But these five gifts were given, verse 12. They were given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. They were not given to the individual for the individual. And by the way, God doesn't give these five gifts because he loves you. He Amen. gives these five gifts because he loves the church. Amen. Because these gifts are for the church, not for the individual. Amen. Is that pretty clear? Yeah. Amen, somebody. So if you got somebody that, that you, if you don't call them by the title and they cringe and they, they look at you all indifferently and they, they like, you know, you're supposed to, then, then they're not humble. Amen. Amen. A- a- am I talking to the right people? Okay. They're not humble because when you're humble, you know who you are. That's right. Amen. So I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to go any further. So let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for the reading of your word. Uh, hide my flesh behind the cross. Uh, Take my tongue of clay, Lord, and make it a a spiritual tongue that I can edify your people by writing on their hearts as a pen of a ready writer. Lord, I thank you right now that from the top of my head to the soles of my very feet, Lord, I surrender myself completely to your will and your ways this morning. Father, I pray that every word will build your people up, Lord, and it will will solidify in them what the fivefold truly is, is as we talk about evangelists today, God, and that it would open up their hearts to receive more of the engrafted, immutable, incorruptible Word of God. We love you, we praise you, and you get all the glory for everything that you've already done and what you're going to do in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so why is the fivefold so important? And one of the ways I thought about this this morning when I wanted to share this before we get back into the evangelist, because we've already talked about the apostle and the prophet, and the next one is the evangelist. But why are those five gifts important? And one way that I thought I could give you a natural example of a spiritual reality is we have five senses, amen? So if you lose your sense of sight or even your sense of hearing, then the, the other three senses are heightened, right? So they have to overcompensate, why? Because if you can't see, you have to use your hands as eyes. That's why people who can't see, they gotta touch something, they gotta feel the texture of it, they gotta they gotta sense what it is, how big it is, how small, how vast it is, what it is, what the texture. Is. Because they get a sense of a picture based on their hands. So their hands have to do the visualizing because their eyes are not functioning. So is this making sense at all? So so you have to, the, the other three senses has to overcompensate. Because two senses are not functioning properly. That's how it is in the body of Christ. If you're not doing what God has called you to do, everybody else that is functioning in the house have to overcompensate because you're not in place. Right, right. So you don't, you don't have the right to step back and go, well, I don't know enough, or I, I'm not anointed. Aren't you saved? You, you received Jesus, right? You at first because you just can't receive Jesus. You got to repent. Hey, man, we got too many people trying to get saved and just saying, Jesus, coming into my heart, but you never repent. You can't have salvation without repentance, guys. That's a false doctrine. You got to repent of your sins first. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit is not coming into a wicked heart. He's a perfect gentleman, and he ain't going to force you. So you have to do something first. Somebody say, I got to do something first. Do See, the Bible says, lay aside every weight. That's what you got to do. He says, when I was a child, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. There's some things the church, you, somebody said me, Me. that you're going to have to put away. God is not going to take away what you should be putting away. There's some things we have to do. Stop putting stuff on God that we should be doing. Listen, listen. God, make me act right. It ain't going to happen. He's not going to do that. No. Holy Spirit ain't going to make your bed. You get out of bed, Holy Spirit, make up, bed, make up my bed, make up my bed, make up my bed, make up my bed. You can say that until you get blue in the face, but it's not going to happen. Why? Because you are capable of making your own bed. There are some things that people in the church are capable of doing, and you're putting it on God. Come on. And you're saying, well, maybe I don't have enough faith. No, maybe you're just not moved to action. Maybe you've gotten complacent and lazy. Maybe. I'm not saying that's you. Somebody said, somebody said that ain't me. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. It's just the person in your seat. So, um, so we got to get, we got to, did, did that make sense, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that when, when something, someone is not functioning, then other people have to compensate for it. Right, right. Amen? Okay. Th- this is why you will find in this church, if, if, if I don't find somebody to do certain things, we'll put it on the parking lot. We're not doing it. Because I'm not going to do everything. It's not my job to do everything. It's my job to develop the foundation of the church. That's why we planted this church. We built this church from nothing, from scratch, out of our living room. Why? Because an apostle, a foundational. They build foundational things. They set up strong doctrine. We're foundational. Prophets are foundational. Evangelists, pastors, or shepherds, and teachers, they are equipping ministries. So you need the foundation before you can equip. But they all have to work together. They all need to be humble, and they all need to have a love for God's people. None of them are more important than any of them. However, you got to have a lead person everywhere you go. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. You got to have a leader. That man, if you're married, you need to lead your house. And I'm not. I'm not talking about you. Got to be abusive with it either, because if you got to be abusive to lead your house, you're not a leader in the first place. No, I'm talking about you lead with integrity, lead with worship, lead with prayer, lead with waking the kids up. Stop allowing the woman to do stuff you know you can do. Lead, 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 lead. See, see, we're going. See. That woman, see, she live in my house. Because, she know, I ain't afraid to work in my house. Listen, I ain't going to let her out serve me. She's going to do something. I'm going to do something else. She cook for me, I'm going to wash her car. I'm going to vacuum the floor, I'm going to wash clothes. I'm going to iron something. No, you ain't going no, to serving me in my house. I'm the man in my house, you ain't not serving me. See, see, you see that kind of attitude? You see that kind of attitude, right? No, man, you're supposed to be that. I'm the man of my house, then you need to serve. Teach your dad. See, you see how quiet it got in here, Kim? <laughs> Them brothers like, I don't know about that pastor. I'm going to have to read the word on that one. <laughs> Now you want to read the Word. (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. So so let me explain a little bit deeper. See, this is important that we understand as a five-fold ministry church, you need to understand the five-fold for yourself, right? Now, as I go through some of these principles, it may not make sense to you right now, but it will eventually because as you learn more about the Word of God, God is going to lead you to the right places so that you can have a good understanding of what God is establishing. One of the things that God is doing right now, he's looking to see who are really operating in New Testament realities. New Testament realities is this right here. The main reason I believe we have such an upheaval in the church right now is because for too long the apostle gift has been discarded. Now, now let me, let me bring some balance here to this. Because some guys who called themselves apostles were not. And what they did, they abused that title because they thought they were some kind of elitist in the house of God. Just because you're operating fivefold, especially as an apostle, I have never, ever seen the foundation of anything on the top. The foundation is where? The foundation should be walked on. And in order to be walked on, you need to be humble. And you better be strong. And, 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 oh, oh, shut up, Siri. Siri need to get saved. See, she's still talking. The devil is a lie, Siri. Amen. So, so that's why I keep Siri off on my phone, because she be listening. So, so is that making sense, guys? It's the foundation. The foundation is on the bottom. And listen, in order for you to understand that you are operating in a foundational gift, a lot of people have to walk on you. See, I didn't understand why I was getting stabbed in the back so much and people treated us so bad when we were trying to love them. It's because of the gift. God was preparing me so that I can stay humble no matter how people treated me. I'm not going to treat them any differently. Right? Is that making sense at all? Now everybody can't do that. Because first of all, some of y'all, y'all know y'all be ready. To, y'all be ready to MMA somebody. Y'all be, ready to, mm, 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 mm. y'all be ready to put the smack down from the top row. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I want to jump from the top row myself. <laughs> don't, don't think that somehow we don't have any feelings about this kind of stuff. We do. But it's just that we understand our lane. Is this making sense? So, so the apostle gift is a governing gift. The government, the government is on the apostle's shoulders because the chief apostle, Jesus Christ, the government is on his shoulders. Is that making sense? And so the prophet, that's the guiding gift. The prophet is always guiding you what God is saying. They want you to hear from God. They want you to hear with a, true prophet, a true prophet. I'm talking about the office of a prophet. Not all can prophesy because we all can prophesy. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 31. We all can prophesy. Somebody say, I can prophesy. But just because you can prophesy, don't make you a prophet. All right, so we got to make sure we know the differences, right? We all can prophesy because we all got the Holy Ghost. That's a Holy Ghost-inspired gift. These gifts are given by Jesus Christ. All prophets, um, all people who prophesy aren't prophets, and not all people who call themselves prophets are prophets. Because if a prophet comes in here and wants to prophesy, and I sit you down and you get mad, then you're not a prophet because you're not humble, right? Right? All of these gifts only operate through humility. And the reason I sit you down is because I don't know you. And an apostle, like I'm not a shepherd. A shepherd would be friendly and go, oh, bless God, man of God, you got a word for the church. I'm not a shepherd. I'm be like, bro, I don't know you. So, no, you're not giving a word to this church. Let me, let me vet that thing out, and I'll come back to you, and I'll tell you if we're going to give this to the church. Now, they huff and puff, well, I know the Lord sent me, and yet yeah, I'm sending you out. Hello. Now, that's an apostle, guys. Apostles don't play with fake prophets. There have been multiple fake prophets come up in here and you don't see them anymore. Because if I can sit you down, if I can train you, then, yeah, maybe I can let you prophesy in here. But if I can't train you, then you your own prophet and you called by man and not by God. All right, so that's the guiding gift. The evangelist, that's what we're talking about. That's the gathering gift. Evangelists—they there's nothing about, it's just all souls. They're always in the community. They're always doing something. It's all about gathering people together. That's why Diane is on her cruise today. I wish Diane was here right now, but she's on her cruise, her and David, celebrating, uh, I think, an anniversary? Yeah. The anniversary, too. So Diane. And her birthday. And, yeah, and her birthday. Yeah. Amen. That's why I saw all those bags in the, in her back of the car in that Facebook post. And so. So, Diane, anybody that gets around Diane for two minutes, if you ain't talking about the community and doing something in the community, she gets gets bored with you. (laughs) Why? Because she's called to the office of an evangelist, right? That's why when she came to this church, she thought she had to put a ministry on the shelf. I said, what are you doing? No, you don't change the name. No, we're going to partner with you because you are an evangelist. That's what apostles do. Pastors would have just put her little gift on the shelf and started something in his name. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Why y'all looking at me like that? No, she's already operating in it, and it's all about collaboration over competition, and that's what's killing the church. Everybody want to compete and compete. No, we're supposed to collaborate with one another, with other ministries. If you already have a ministry, thank God. That means I don't have to start it. Amen. And then you got the shepherd. He's a guardian. He's just lovable. He's just, oh, praise the Lord. They cry with you. They weep with you. They just love you. Shepherds are great. They're great, but shepherds are not apostles. They're not. You got to have shepherds in the house. He's, he's, he's one of them. He's a shepherd. He just he just loves y'all. He just oh. <laughs> he just loves. He did just love. this great. We got to have shepherds in the house, right? But And then teachers, teachers are the grounding ministers. He's a teacher right there. That's a teacher. Elaine is a teacher. So they're going to ground you, right? Right? Uh, Erica's a teacher. And so so they're going to come and ground you in some things. They might use practical examples to do it, but they're going to ground you. Is is this making sense at all? All of us are co-laborers in this ministry. They know Elaine and I don't lord anything over them because we're all elders in the house of God. Therefore, this church operates on a plurality of eldership, not on a Superman Christian. Right. Everything don't fall on my shoulders. Thank you, Jesus. And so that, that I, it disseminates. I'm a master at. It. <laughs> yeah, you take that. Yep, yeah, you got that. Yes, Amen. But you build a stronger church if you do it that way. Because if me and Elaine not around for six weeks, like sometimes we aren't, the church still functions. So if the man of God can't leave for a couple of weeks, something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And you mean to tell me you got 2,500 folks in that church and you're the only one that can know how to preach? Yeah. You're the only one. you got two rows full of people in hats <laughs> and white dresses. You can't nobody in there preach? They all got badges on. See, y'all, see? There y'all, y'all ask me those questions? <laughs> all right. So I wanted to explain that because apostles and prophets are the foundational ministries. Evangelists, shepherds, and teachers are the upbuilding ministries. We all have to work together. Now, I started on evangelism because there's a difference between evangelism and evangelist. Got it? We all are supposed to be evangelizing, but just because we are evangelizing don't mean that we all are evangelists. Got it, guys. Because this, 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 this has—you got to get this in your heart. Because if you don't, it, it's going to be confusing when other people from other places don't really know this. They're going to—they're going to confuse you. But you need to know. You need to explain it to them. No, that's not. That's not, I'm no. I'm not an evangelist. I'm an, I do evangelism, right? Now I couldn't find a um an, an, an the English variation of the word evangelism. I couldn't find a Greek word for it. It's really not a Greek word for the word evangelism. So what I I chose to do was to give you an example of the Bible as an evangelist, right? And we talked about the Samaritan woman, amen? So let's go there real quick. Like I said, I I want you to hold back your laughter a little bit. (laughs) So I'm not going to go to all of this because we already know some things about this Samaritan woman. In John chapter 4, go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, I can't go through all of this, uh, but I am going to recapitulate on some of these things uh, before we we pick up where we left off, amen? And so this Samaritan woman, there were some things we learned about this Samaritan woman. There was actually uh, uh, three things. She was a member of a hated mixed race. See, see the Jews hated the Samaritans simply because uh, the northern kingdom, uh, I don't want to get too deep into this, but there was a northern kingdom. And the southern kingdom, it was was separated out into two kingdoms. And so the northern kingdom, um, they began to assimilate with the Assyrians. Now, the Assyrians were people who were not, they were idol worshipers, right? So when we look in the Bible and we we try to take um, uh, the antiquity of Scripture and we try to apply it to culture today, it's easy to say that God was discriminatory because of the people's race. God never discriminates because of race. He was discriminating because of the culture. See, these people were idol worshipers. They were sacrificing children to the demon Molech. They, they were doing all kinds of things that was ungodly. So God was trying to keep them separated from a group of people, not based on race, but based on their actions. Is this making sense at all? But what happened was they began to assimilate. I talked a little bit about this in my book Mixture. And so they begin to mix the races. So what happens? You really, in mixing that race, they don't don't apply to what you want, the standard that you want. You begin to capitulate to what they want, i.e., now these Jewish people who believed in the one true and living God, now they became polytheistic. They believed in many gods, just like the Assyrian nation. They begin to do the same things, idolatry and child sacrificing. These are people of God, right? So the Jews who did not assimilate, they hated the Samaritans because they saw them as a mixed people, not because of race, but because of sin. You're getting this, right? So this is why you got to understand when you read in the Gospels, that the Jews didn't want to have anything to do with the Samaritans. This is why. That area was called Samaria. It was the Samaritan people because this is where they began to assimilate. That makes sense? Yeah. So she was, she was a part of a mixed race. The other thing about this woman is she, she was known to be living in sin. You already know that Jesus began to read her mail, right? He began to ask her questions. Jesus will pop a question on you, and it might seem like it's, it's, it's crazy and out of the blue, but it come at the right time. Look at verse 17. <laughs> oh, boy. Jesus, verse 16, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. <laughs> Jesus already knew. See, you can't pass any wisdom over to Jesus. Jesus never asked us as Christians a question because he needs some wisdom from us. He's asking a question to spark revelation in you. He knew where Adam was. He said, Adam, where are you? He knew exactly where Adam was because Jesus, God, in the Old Testament, he was everywhere at one time because He's I'm not present. It wasn't that he didn't know where Adam was positionally. Adam didn't know where he was spiritually. So he said, Adam, where are you? Because yesterday you were walking with me in the walk of the spirit, the spirit of the day. But today you're hiding from me. Who you been talking to? Because obviously you've been talking to somebody other than me. Amen, amen. That's how you know when your your children have been talking to somebody other than you. Because they come back with a voice that you know you didn't give them. First thing you want to do is who you've been talking to. Because you know you don't use that kind of language in this house. Amen? You you see what I'm saying here? And so Jesus was asking her a question. He said, go get your husband. Because Jesus wanted to get her somewhere. He wanted her to see her life. Because you can't change a life without (laughs) conviction. He's got to ask you a question to bring conviction. Without conviction, there can be no change. Right? You can't get saved on emotionalism. Oh, that was just ooh, that was just a great message. Whew, that moved me. Oh my God. Oh, she can sing. Oh, I got goosebumps. I'm about goosebumps. But none of that's gonna change you. But when you get a good hot word and you go, mm. Oh, okay. All right, now I see it. Mm, God, stop talking. Because he's showing you stuff. Now, you can do one or two things. You can run out of here. And you can say I'm judging okay. yeah. because you equate conviction to judgment. Oh, no, bro. No, no, no. I wasn't judging you. You just want to live in sin and don't want me to talk about it. No, you're not going to come up in here and live a sinful life. I'm not going to talk about it. That's any kind of sin. It doesn't matter what it is. It, 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 your lifestyle, you're a liar, you're a cheater, you're a fornicator. It's all in the word of God. Right. But that goes for the pews and the pulpit. You can't be up here having sex all around the church and then telling the church, I don't need to be holy. Oh, well. Are <laughs> you trying to talk against a certain lifestyle and you flaming. Wow. Well. No, this stuff, this stuff is what's killing the church. Yep, yep. Because there's no holiness, there's no righteousness being preached again. Don't even talk about the cross, baby. Because at the cross, everybody has to die. Yeah. Too many people trying to save their lives than dying. Uh Uh-huh. See, this kind of word get that kind of response. Mm. Yep. Amen. (laughs) right. I know it ain't going to be nobody standing up for this kind of stuff. That's all right. I don't need no applause. It's okay. (laughs) Jesus talked to her in a public place. You got to be careful who you talk to women, guys. Be, Be respectful, but make sure in your public place, women. Be careful, cause that brother might look like a tall glass of water. He might be trying to do something. <laughs> well, Usually, they are trying to do something. Okay, see, see, if y'all don't ask, see, you didn't ask me a question, so I gotta go there. Uh-oh. So you, you you mean to tell me that he wants you to come over mm-hmm. at 1130, 1135, 1135 <laughs> at night, cause he wants to talk about the Lord. He wants to have a, a Bible study. Lay, lay, lay some hands. Want to lay some hands at 1130. And you say, oh, he's just so spiritual. Pastor, I got such a spiritual man of God. He called me over at 1130. My question is going to be, and you went? <laughs> And then my next question is, what happened? (laughs) Well, we we just we just sat around and we read the Bible. Uh And we just fell asleep. Uh, (laughs) Fell asleep, huh? In his bed. Um, Pastor, I gotta go to work. (laughs) You see? You see that deflection? Watch this. Verse 17. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said well that I have no husband, for you have had five. You have had five divorces, and you're shacking. I mean, oh, sorry. You are cohabitating. Right? And the woman that you're with, the one that you're with is not your husband. So this is number six. Right? So, so check. This is so good. Check out verse 19. The woman said to her, "Sir, I perceive you to be a prophet." She, yeah, yeah. Sir, you are. You are so anointed. <laughs> in her heart, she said, "How in the world is joking all this stuff about me?" Right? And no, what she did, she deflected. She's like, "Oh, you just, you just so anointed. My gosh, you are so anointed." And then she deflected. Then she said. Who has the best place to worship? Mm-hmm. Did did she not? That's right. She she now. No, I'm gonna get you up off of me, bro. So Jesus, where's the best place? Best place to worship? Cause if I talk about worship, then you're not talking about me. Amen. She did what we do. We did flat. You start reading the Bible. You go, oh no, mm-mm, nope. <laughs> no. I came in here to get something for them. Because I know there's a word in here that I can slap them upside the head with. Because God, you know they ain't living right. I've been trying to tell them they're not living right. And I know there's a direct scripture that I can give them to slap them on top of the head and say the Bible says. And God says, no, I'm trying to show you you. So in other words, uh, get that out of you. Because when you remove this, then you can see clearly. You know what you see clearly? You see clearly that you ain't all that. (laughs) Thank bald head. Thank you, bald head. That's all right. I preach myself happy. I don't need all that. The woman said to him, our fathers worship on this mountain, and, and you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither nor, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, because Jesus was trying to teach us, it's not about the place of worship. It's about the worshiper. Amen, somebody. So, so let me skip past through that, and uh, uh, I got to get to where I want to go. Is, is back, I want to get all the way over there to verse 27. So listen to the podcast to catch everything else from there. But I want to go to verse 27. And at the point, these, his disciples came, and they marveled that he uh, talked with this woman. Why? Because she was a Samaritan. We just talked about that, right? So these disciples, they were Jews, Jewish men. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, Went her way into the city and said to the men. Now notice where she went. She went to the men because she was hoish. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Say it. Say, Say it. it is what it Say is. Say it. Wait a minute. You have five Man. husbands. The bro you with now is not your husband. Now you ain't gonna sit there and tell, okay, y'all. See so y'all, y'all be tripping. Okay, y'all be tripping. Okay, trippin'. okay. All right. So so let me break this thing down because we 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 now nah, listen, listen, guys, listen. You, you in a neighborhood, you all know, I knew, I knew the women, right? We all knew the ones that were making their money, making their living a certain way, right? Amen. And And it wasn't vertically. Y'all know what I'm saying. I'm trying to be clean. I know the kids in the house. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, the guy, I want to make sure. Right? And it ain't, it ain't vertically. Right? And you know. You know when you see her, you know what she's right. Right? You go on every co- Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know who it is. Why would this town be any different? Right? So all of the people in the town knew of her ish ways. Her ish ways. Okay? We're going to do ish way. Okay? We're going to do that. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say ish way. The, everybody in the town knew of her ish ways. But because now Jesus began to reveal to her something deep inside of her to where now conviction has come upon her and she knows, oh, I got to tell somebody else about who I just spoke to because he just read my mail. Could this be the Christ? So I got to go and tell somebody about this. So she went to what was familiar. But she didn't go. Uh, this way. Yeah. Now she has another way. Yeah. Yahweh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen, somebody. Yeah. So now imagine the women in the town. I wonder where she going. Right. I wonder what she talking about. Right? Because now you've got a whole different dilemma now. Now the men are following her out of the town. Yeah. Now y'all know we talk. Come on, ladies. You know, they didn't have telephones back then. You know, but if they did, this is probably what it would sound like. Hello? Hey, um, did, did you see that Ishway? <laughs> yeah, girl, I saw her, and she didn't have any water pots either. What's she taking them in? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying? you know the women, they started, they gathered together because all the men were walking out the town. Yep, yep. So you know the women got together like, I wonder where she's taking all of our men. Uh-huh. Ooh, oh, okay, y'all looking at me. <laughs> I'm, let's, just, let's just keep reading the book. Let's keep reading the book. Alright, this woman, she left, the woman left her water pots, I just told you, she didn't have them, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went, they, they, somebody said they. they. They went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, Robonai, or teacher, eat. And he said, oh, now Jesus is getting ready to teach the disciples a second here. Uh, I have food to eat which you do not know of. Therefore, the disciples, they all up in the flesh. They said one to another, uh, has anyone brought anything to him to eat? They all in the flesh. Because Jesus is not talking about fleshly food, all right? You'll learn that in the next text. 34, Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's spiritual. He said, my food is to do the will of God and to finish it. My food is to do the will of God and to finish it. It's not about what we bring in. It's also about what we give out. See, you have to complete the will of God in your life. A lot of people, and you might even be yourself, you start stuff, but you don't finish it. Start classes, start books, start businesses, but you don't finish it. So you got to finish what you start. Yep. Amen, amen. amen. Yeah, Somebody's going to go home and say, boy, I got bookmarks everywhere in this book that I never finished. Yeah, mm-hmm. go finish it. Finish what you start. Because it's not about what you take in, it's also about what you give out. out. Doing the will of God. Verse 35. How much time I got? Oh, I got to read fast. Um, do, you not, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Now he's talking about the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already a white for harvest. So in other words, he's saying you ain't got to look for the harvest. It's already there. That's right. Saints, the harvest is already here. Don't, don't, don't pray. God, you are the Lord of the harvest. Bring us the harvest. The harvest is already here. It's right there next door. It's right there in, that, in the cube farm right next to you. Somebody say evangelism. Evangelism. That's the harvest, guys. It's that person that always comes to you with questions. That's That's the harvest. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to take time with that person. Don't be like, oh, here she come again. (laughs) No, let the Lord use you. Hello, somebody. Let the Lord use you. Maybe she needs more than what an understanding of the job. Uh Maybe one day she's going to come to you because she's got issues of the heart. Uh But because she can trust you with the stuff of the job, then she can trust you with issues of the... See, the problem is we want people to trust us with the issues of the heart, but people don't even trust you on your job. Come to work late, you're always complaining, you're the main one bickering about the boss. Boy, I am not talking to anybody in this church. I am not talking about you. I'm talking about somebody you know. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> like, intimately. Right? So, So, listen... Trust has to be built on the basis of how people see you and how you interact with them. Amen. Amen. And that is over time. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Over time, what do people see in you? Do they see that you're trustworthy? Do they see you are coming in and doing a bang-up job? You just, you wearing it out and then some, right? Because if you're working, you should be not just do the job. You're supposed to give a tithe to your job. You do 10% more than what you was hired. Oh, my bad, my bad. I read, I read, I read a different manual. I thought I was supposed to do 10% less because I got favor. Well, the only reason you got favor is because you do more than what you were hired. See, this is why your business will be blessed, because you give more to the people than what they gave you money for. If you want to be, I'm trying to teach you how to be blessed. If you just do a little bit more than what you're hired to do, you'll be blessed. How do I know that? You are looking at a prime example. I'm never given what they hired me to do. I always went beyond what I was hired to do. I always got promoted. I never, even in places that didn't promote me, God moved me out of there to put me in a place that will. Now, I had to go through a whole lot of hell. I had to train people who took my job. I've done I've done all of that. Yeah, I complained to God about it, too, because that was my office. With the view. It, would have, it didn't have a window, but it was it, it was the office. I, I wasn't in the cube farm. Well, I stayed in the cube farm, praise the Lord, and I had to watch him in that office every day. I had to pass by the office, and you know I gave, y'all know I gave a look. Let me show you what it looks like. That was it. What, What was God doing? He was showing me not to trust in my job, but to trust him, right? And the moment I stopped trusting in having a manager's position and I started trusting God, he moved me from that job into a better job, and the job that I thought I wanted was canceled. Come on, somebody. Stop fighting God. If God says no, praise the Lord. You must be keeping me from something. If he closed the door, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. It must be something better for me. I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. Amen. 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 Amen, right? So Jesus is saying here, he said, look here, guys, I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you a spiritual reality, of, uh, a context here, that my food is not physical. My food is spiritual. Verse 36, he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both, he who sows, check this out, guys, and he who reaps may rejoice together. So sometimes the people that you're talking to, somebody has already sown into them. Sometimes the people that you're talking to, you're the ones that's sowing, but somebody else might reap it. So sometimes you got to discern by the Holy Spirit if it's time for them to get saved or not, because you might be the one sowing. See, it's not about, oh, I led another person to the Lord. I just put that little notch on my belt that I led somebody to the Lord. Well, no, but nothing in the Bible that says we're supposed to go out and get people saved. That's right. We're supposed to disciple, raise people up. That's what Jesus said, go and disciple. He didn't say go get people saved. To disciple a person, I mean, you got to spend time with them. No, it's not enough for you to say, oh, they, they received Jesus. Because in two more weeks they right back where they used to be. Why? Because you were interested in getting people saved, but you weren't interested in the disciples. Wow. Amen. That's good. Amen. Amen. That ball hit a rascal. bringing some good stuff up here. I'm telling you. And so listen, verse 37, for in this the saying is true, one sows, what? And another one reaps. I sent you to reap that which you have not sown labor. You see that? Somebody had already sown, so they are reaping. We will reap what somebody else has already sown. Right now, we're reaping what somebody has has already sown. Amen? But we got to sow too. Listen, don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Listen, let me give you this one for free. Don't worry about being blessed if you're not sowing. I'm from Alabama. Don't shout me down. I'm from Alabama, and I know for summer, some of y'all had real jobs. But in Alabama, you don't have a real job. You go pick beans, you pick okra, you pick tomatoes, you pick anything that grandmama had, you picked it 5 a.m. in the mountain. That was the job. You fold on, that's how my grandmama, I don't even know what that means. But uh, I, I think it means before the sun comes up, I think, I think. Uh, Yeah, so I had to learn this kind of stuff. So So we got paid on what we picked. (laughs) So grandmama, if grandmama before the summer says, well, I'm just going to believe God. And I'm going to see what he's going to do. He's going to send me a harvest. And she goes in the house. And every day she goes out to see what's growing. Oh, I don't see no, I don't see nothing growing yet. So God is all is up to you, Lord. Just make it happen. Praise the Lord. I trust you. And you go back and you look, ain't nothing, ain't nothing growing. Because you didn't sow anything. That's how some Christians are. They strong arm in God and say, God, you're supposed to bless me. And God is saying, I will. What have, I'm looking for what you've sown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, listen, that's why I go beyond the tithe. I don't even teach tithe Because sometimes God wants you to give 20%, 30%, 50%. I ain't going to strong on you. You do what God tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? Now, listen, because you can't reap if you ain't sown nothing. So here is the question about giving. How much do you want to reap? That should determine how much you give. Amen anyway. Let me say amen to myself. Amen. 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 Now now it becomes your responsibility. Now you can just be free. Because mm-hmm. you're not going to get strong-armed. There ain't no going to be no, not, you will never have a $100 line a $50 line or $20 line. You ain't going to ever get me up here and say, well, I'm going to sew the best seed today to get everything started. And that brother started digging real deep. And I'm going to get everything started. And he's, he's going way down. He's, he's at his ankles. And I'm going to start today with the first seat. And he pull out a 20. <laughs> like, bro, you ain't that. I got that under my seat cushion. See, this is foolishness. Now, see, some of y'all that are laughing, y'all know you've been in places like that. So everybody else is looking around like, "People won't do that, will they?" (laughs) I I cannot believe, Pastor, that people really do that kind of thing. Oh yeah, they do it. They did it this morning. Right now. A second, a second offering. So look, check this out. look at this, look at this, look at this. So we talked about so on. Look at verse 39. And many of the, this, this is called evangelism. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. But look at verse 40. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. Look at verse 41. This is amazing. And many more believed, Because of his own words. Look at 42. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Isn't that awesome? So now this woman, listen, let me tell you something. God can use Anybody, this is the good news of Jesus Christ that I want to share with you. This woman was not supposed to be the type of woman that Jesus was supposed to talk to. So in other words, you might feel like I am not the type of person that Jesus should be talking to. This woman was not of the right culture. Hello, somebody. She didn't come up on the right side of the track. She didn't grow up in seminary. She was doing things. Come on, y'all. She had some stuff going on in her life that wasn't lining up with Scripture. Hello, somebody. But Jesus still came to her. I want to give you some good news because you might be the one that have been doing some stuff that didn't quite line up with Scripture. I don't know if you're shacking or not, but you know that ain't right. And so, But Jesus can come and read your mail. Right? But when he reads your mail, that you you should you should get a level of conviction inside of you. Something should explode inside of you and say, man, I gotta change my life. So what did she do? She used what she used to have to get men in a negative way, but get them in a positive way. Say, listen, I heard somebody. Somebody says something about me. You gotta come and hear about this man. When they came, the men said, Man, we, we were believing because of what you said, because they saw something. When you have a real experience with Christ, something in your life changes. That people, when they see you, they see you don't act the same way. Right. She had to have done something differently. There had to be something about her disposition. When she came to these men, she wasn't coming as an Ishway. She said, no, I got another way. I want to show you something. I want you to talk to the man that I talk to. I want him to change your life. So that's why the men said, at first, we believe because of what you said. But now that we've spoken to him ourselves, now we believe because of what he said. Yeah. See, saints of God, you can get people so far by what you say, yeah. but you got to drop them off with Jesus because they got to believe what he said. Yeah. That's why when the four bearing one, they dropped him in there with Jesus. They didn't get down there with him. Because once you get people to Jesus, they got to make a choice. They drop that little rascal off and say, okay, now we we did our job. Now it's up to you to receive him or not. You can reject him or not. You can love him or not. It's up to us. The four men representing the four Gospels, because when you read the four Gospels, they usher you in into the presence of the Lord. The Gospels bear us up, and they take us to his presence. Does this make sense at all? So I'm talking about evangelism, and I want to say this. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. God can use you. So what? You haven't been to seminary. Me either. But you can read and study that Bible. It's right there. It's it's free. Look, look. look. There are people around the world dying because they carry this, and we got it right there in our homes, and don't even look at it. Right? It's not an air freshener. We're supposed to use this. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying. Some people got up on their mantle, it's real pretty, and they got flowers in it in the scripture, and they think somehow it blesses the house because it's a, it ain't going to bless the house. The only way your house is going to be blessed, you're going to have to take the words out of this Amen. book, and you're going to have to speak those words in that house. Okay. Amen. Anyway. Right? And as everybody, all, everybody in the house should be speaking this stuff. Everybody. You can bless your own house. You don't need no pastor to come bless your house. I don't have no more anointing than you do. We got the same Holy Ghost, same Spirit, same Jesus Christ, same God the Father, same unity of the faith. You can bless your own house. You got some oil? Go get you some oil. Get olive oil. You don't, don't have to smell a certain way. Just because oil smells a certain way don't mean it's more anointed. Man, we got to get away from some of this foolishness. Right? Take that oil. Anoint your house. Slap oil on the curtains if you have to. Especially if you've got some stuff you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Anoint your children's bed. They having bad dreams? Anoint their pillows. Amen? Amen? You hear what I'm saying? You got the power, saints. If we can teach you that the power belongs to you and not necessarily in the pulpits, man, we can have a stronger church. We can have a stronger church. Amen? We can have a stronger church. And so listen, let me give you a little bit more of this book. So that was evangelism. Somebody say it. Evangelism. 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 That's what that was. And see... Um, evangelist Mark 16, 15 says this, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's evangelism. Evangelism is defined by its message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, not by man-made strategies, methods, methodologies, or mediums. It is more than a Sunday morning experience. It is a lifestyle. Evangelism. You are evangelizing people based on how you live. It's called lifestyle evangelism. People, if people are not coming to you, oh, let me say it this way. Thank you, Jesus. You can't look like, act like, talk like the world, but think the world is going to come to you for spiritual advice. Because they see you as them. What makes the church attractive is because we don't look like the world. And the moment we start capitulating to the world so that we can look like them, talk like them, thinking we're going to win more of them, we're fooling ourselves. Yes. Then we, be, we have a form of godliness, but we're denying the power thereof. I don't want to be a form of God. I want to be in the very imago dei of God, the very image of God. I don't, I don't want to have a caricature of God in my life. Yes. I want to be the essence of who he is in my life based on a biblical principle that I am not going to do wrong as best as I can. And even when I do, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. You repent quickly. Yeah, man. Amen. Am I talking to the right folks? Amen. Amen. And so th- this is what it is, right? That's true evangelism. Say it with me. Evangelism. Now there is an evangelist. <laughs> evangelism. <laughs> like I'm in an English class. Evangelism. So, okay, so now the evangelist, the evangelist, Oh, now I don't want to go there yet. <laughs> so let's talk about the evangelist, right? Now, what? I, again, I want to give you a practical example of evangelist. Evangelist is found as one brother, one brother well, other than Jesus Christ, that was called an evangelist. Who was he? That was Philip. I'm going to help you out. So that was Philip. So y'all so was taking too long to think. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. I know you knew it. You just couldn't get it off your tongue. I know it. y'all knew it. I know you knew it. I know it. There's no doubt in my mind. It's Philip. Somebody say Philip. Okay, it was Philip. No, no. It's Acts chapter 6, verse 5. Then, this this is when they chose the seven to be deacons. So then the word of God spread. And, um, wait a minute, five. I'm sorry. Um, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. multitude, <laughs> multitude. I got to call Webster on that one. Remember, we're going to add them to the dictionary. That's a multiplicity of pool. So, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and who? So Philip was a deacon, but he also was an evangelist. Amen. So his, his operationally, he operated in the church as a deacon on a local level, but on a global level, he operated as an evangelist. And the reason I can say that is because, put your finger there and go to Acts uh, chapter 21. Ooh, I love hearing those pages turn. That's a good sound right there. 21.8 says, and on the next day, I know I'm kind of skipping around, but I want to show you how this ties together. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, who? Yeah. The evangelist. So they, the, 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 the scriptures are very specific about Philip. He was the evangelist. He was operating in the office of evangelist. He wasn't just evangelizing, he was an evangelist. Now, something happens in his household here, uh, who was one of the seven. The reason I I wanted to point this out is because this refers back to Acts chapter 6. He was one of the seven deacons. So, yes, he was a deacon in the local church, but he was an evangelist globally. Is this making sense? Some of you are called in one position locally to function. But you may have a global office call on your life to go out and do things outside of the local church. That's the fivefold. That's why it's necessary. There's only one of the fivefold gifts that actually stays in the local house, and that's the shepherd. All the other four are global ministries to be operating outside of the local church. That's why you need proper training, but you also need. a a level of of authority that you can operate with, and you have a place of accountability. Is this making sense at all? So that's why I want to point this out. But check out what happened in his house. He was one of the seven, uh, and they stayed with him. Look at verse 9. Now this man had four virgin daughters. The brother knew how to raise his daughters. Four virgin daughters who prophesied. So this is interesting. I can't go there right now, but he knew what to do in his house. He knew how to raise his babies hello somebody. So now as an evangelist you have a local ministry. I just taught that. He was a deacon. But also he had mass evangelism going on. So I want you to turn to Acts chapter 8. Go to Acts chapter 8 verse 4. Is this making sense? Okay, okay. Acts chapter 8 verse 4. Now the reason I had to talk about the Samaritan woman is because this woman left a seed. Remember I talked about sowing and reaping? This woman left a seed in Samaria. That seed was sowing. Philip the evangelist reaped. So let me show you. All right, so we're right there, Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to a city of Samaria. Now, it wasn't by happenstance that Philip went to Samaria. Samaria, they believed the word of God, but that was just sowing. Philip the evangelist is coming along, and now Philip says, now I got to take you to a whole new level. Cause you're going to see what happens. Because once the evangelists come to town, the evangelists will bring people into a belief system. They will receive Jesus Christ. They will get baptized. Then they call the apostles to lay hands on them to receive the Holy Ghost. Ah, I just love the word of God. Okay, let's just read it. And multitudes uh, with one accord, heeding the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Evangelists should operate in miracles and signs. When you leave this place, you're going to see miracles and signs. If you are operating as an evangelist, you see miracles, you see signs happening. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice, this should be happening, saints of God. Why? Because you got the light. And we're not supposed to be capitulating to the darkness. The Bible in Ephesians says we're supposed to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. We're not supposed to be going to parties with them and doing all this other stuff these Christian singers are doing. No, you're supposed to expose darkness. If that's your friend, you need to be telling them about the good news. Not so you can sell more records. See, this vanity, you just want money, bruh, sister. No, I'm just, I, I, just, I just believe that um, if we're supposed to be Christian, that we, we need to be open. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Open to what? (laughs) Show me in the Bible where it's supposed to be open. No, the Bible says we expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Because your light is not on, it's easy for them to act and talk just like you. But when you turn the light on, there should be a difference. When the light is on, you expose it. You ain't even trying to expose it. This is why when people come to, you, oh, you thank you all that, and you ain't even said anything. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on, come on. Oh, you you must be one of them believers. I I, even, I, I just walked in the room. Oh oh, <laughs> you see the light. My bad. Sometimes I can't see it. <laughs> That's what you walk in, saints, every day of your life. When you walk into a room. And if people are talking, they're they, they talking foolishness. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They're talking some foolishness, and they know you don't get into that kind of talk. They stop. I get people all the time say, oh, I'm sorry, John. I didn't mean to cuss. Bruh, I can't save you. I know what they're doing. They're showing a little respect, but I would rather them respect him than me. Amen? Because as soon as I walk out of the room, they're going to be flying and flogging and flying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're going to be using those same words. Amen. Amen. Right? And so, so Philip, man, th- this brother, there was miracle signs and wonders happening with this brother. Unclean spirits coming out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city because when you see miracle signs and wonders, man, there is nothing but great joy. Amen, somebody. Amen. But there was a certain man named Simon. Now, see, you're always going to have somebody who wants to be an imitator. See, but he was a counterfeit. Check this out. Who previously practiced sorcery because he thought uh, the Holy Spirit was sorcery. In the city, astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. He thought he was somebody, but he was a demon. Uh, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he was he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But check out verse 12. But when they believed, that's the first step. When they believed, Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women now. Now, this is interesting, guys, because the same women who were sitting back talking, now they're getting saved. Amen. <laughs> so sometimes salvation don't come in the package that um, you think it should come in. And so while we talking bad about the prostitute. She might be the one to get you closer to Jesus. Oh, Lord have mercy. Y'all see, 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 see. They come through the church, and they want to sit them in the back. Yeah, you know, they come up front. Why, the businessman, they want his dress real nice. They want to put him up front. That's what's happening in the church, right? Because they thought they can get something out of the businessman, right? No, no, no. Paul rebuked that. He said, oh, no. Said, no the prostitute and the pimp are the ones that need to be up front you just you just put something on her leg that's all <laughs> I got a deal in truth because <laughs> if they come in here it's gonna be up here so y'all gotta make sure pastor is is okay <laughs> I ain't saved but my eyes still are working so praise the Lord right amen right so you just put something on her let her hear the gospel get saved get cleaned up Amen? And then she can go back and get some of her friends. You know that's getting ready to happen here. I've already seen it. So if you act indignant and you start looking down your little nose like what's she doing here? She's supposed to be here. No, the question is what are you doing here? Because if you knew why you were here, then you shouldn't ask that question. They are supposed to be in the house of God. Anybody that's lost is supposed to be here. Not everybody gonna come in here smelling good. You just go and you serve in the streets. You'll know that. Yeah, you'll get used to a smell. Real quick, if you really, oh, Diane can tell you about some smells. Amen. But she don't. She don't care about that. She's after that soul. Check this out. So now men and women are getting getting saved. Then Simon himself also believed. Look at this. They believed Jesus, the men and women, and they were baptized. So that's the step. You got to receive him. You got to repent of your sins, believe him, and get baptized. Now, this is baptism with water. How do I know that? Keep reading. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs. Now, when the apostles, now here, here the apostles are coming in, now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John. They were two apostles. The people were saved; they got baptized. But now they went. They sent to Jerusalem and said, "Hey, we need we need some apostles here." This is why, fifteen, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as for as yet he had not fallen upon. Uh, none of them they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then the then then they laid hands on them, and they what that's mass evangelism done by an evangelist. So he worked in the local church, he had he had massive things going on in globally, but he also. An evangelist also ministered to people individually. Go to, I, I, You can read the rest of that. There's so much more in there, but for the sake of time, go to uh, verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. So, you, so so that you understand this, guys. This is important that we see this because we have to make sure that everything lines up with the Word of God. Just because you might operate in an office gift, that doesn't negate you from operating in a local church because in the local church is where you have accountability. Right, so if a prophet comes up in here talking about the Lord sent me, and I go, "What's your church name?" Oh, I don't have a church. No, then, bro, you're not a prophet, because you need to be submitted to somebody. Mm-hmm. Somebody need to have some kind of authority over you to where if you out of line, somebody need to be able to rebuke you. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and since you coming up in here and I don't even know you, then that's going to be me. So you have to have some accountability, responsibility, in the house of God. Amen. So he, was a, he had a local ministry as a deacon. He had mass evangelism, but he also did personal evangelism, too. Look at this one, and then we're going to wrap up this one, okay? Look at uh, verse 26. Is this making sense, guys? Okay, ladies. Oh, man. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road, which goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, there is a desert. Now, now see, first, first thing out the gate here, sometimes when I read the Word of God, uh, I, I ask a lot of questions because I'm thinking, okay, you, you just, this brother just did something great. <laughs> and then God said, go to a desert. <laughs> Sometimes the word of God is so funny to me. We go, wait a minute, Lord, now that I've done great things, shouldn't I have a bigger platform? <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> okay. I don't even know who that was for. <laughs> it was probably for me. <laughs> so he arose and went, and behold, a man from Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasures. This brother had money because the queen of Ethiopia was filthy rich. Amen. So this brother was in charge of all her money and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake his chariot, this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And then the place in the scripture where he was reading was he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Y'all know that in Isaiah chapter 53. And, uh, and in Matthew 26, 62, so I don't have to read all of that. Y'all know that word is. In verse 34, he says, so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this of himself or of another man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at this scripture and preached what? Jesus, not himself. See, we got to preach Jesus. you here for Jesus. You ain't here for John. You're here for Jesus Christ. That brother preached Jesus to him. He opened up the scriptures. This brother did not have a full understanding. Even though he was reading the word, well, it was a scroll. I'm sorry, they didn't have Bibles then. He was reading a piece of a scroll in Isaiah chapter 5. Well, they didn't have chapters back then. It was just a piece of a scroll. And so he said, man, I want to have an understanding. I'm reading this, but can you help me? There are people going to come to you to say, hey, can you help me understand the word of God? I, I'm reading it, but I, I just—it's I, just not coming together for me. Can you help me? Yeah. You're gonna have to help people. You're gonna have to understand and see what God is saying in the Word of God. I, am I talking to the right folks here? Yeah. I don't want to lull you to sleep, but sometimes people are gonna come to you, and you gotta be in your Word to teach people the Word. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right, just last little bit, and then y'all can keep sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> So 36, now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe. Now notice, Philip didn't just baptize him in water because just because you read the word don't mean you know the word. Philip had to get right back to his heart. He said, wait a minute, bruh. I know you want to be baptized, but we got to go through some steps first. He said, if you believe with all of your heart, and you may, and, you may, and he answered and said, uh, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Whoa, right there. Right? And so he said, so he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he was baptized. Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? This is one person. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Now, I don't quite understand this theologically. I I I've asked God and he hadn't shared nothing with me yet. I, I don't this part right here, the Bible said that Philip was caught up. That means that brother left. It was like he baptized Philip, they had a sweet conversation, pew, he was gone. And the unit got back in his chair. The unit didn't even ask any I would have asked some questions. I would have came up out of that water and he did a bra. I would have been looking under the water. You know what I'm saying? The unit just got back on his chariot. So I got a question to God. I'm still trying to get an understanding of this brother just, yeah, he just like, they beamed, he got, he was, but God is bad. I ain't lying. That's all I got to say. Because see, this, I, I don't understand, I don't, I don't, again, I don't theologically understand this. There's a couple of things that I don't theologically understand and holistically and scripturally and just humanly understand. You know what I'm saying? So, any other lead that you can throw up in there, but it's just, it's just God. Like, things can happen. God can do stuff that'll blow your mind. You know what I'm saying? So, in other words, you can't put God in a box, because the moment you put him in a box, he'll do something outside that box. You go, Lord. Right? He'll do, man, He'll he'll do stuff like that. Amen? Or, or, they, they tried to throw Jesus off the mountain. Now, that, that brother, he would have just, just stood right there if they threw him out. He would have just, he would. you know what I'm saying? Because this is Jesus, right? He was the same one that flew up. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina. At 5805, West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com forward slash C3 Indian Trail NC.